Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Matt, it's Healthcareless Day. It's me, Alora Nanos, ready to talk with you about every annoying thing going on in healthcare. And how annoyed should we be today? You know, I'm going to ask you to help me work through some feelings because I'm having one of those days where I don't know if I should be annoyed or not about some things. Isn't it like mental health month, year, something? To be honest, it's getting a little bit difficult to keep track of like... When is it Breast Cancer Awareness Month? And when is it Mental Health Month? And it, it was National Narcolepsy Day the other day. And then it was Happy World Mental Health Day. Like, it's a lot with these days. I'm a big fan of the National Cheeseburger Day. Yeah, I, lo- I love those. The thing about these awareness days is, you know, on one hand, they are good and they kind of, they're more media focused, right? They allow, right, yeah. they sort of are there to allow talk shows to know how to structure their segments so that they know who to invite on on which days. Right. Sure. And then it allows you to sell merch and have like hashtag World Mental Health Day. Great. Terrific. Is that what it is? Uh, that's what it was on um, October 10th. It was World Mental Health Day. I- I'm going to admit something, right? So I'm I'm an old lady over here, right? And and to me, like the last new music I listened to was right around the time that we were not supposed to be chasing waterfalls and when Eminem was on the charts. Do, do, you know, do. Do, 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 do. I'm so bad about it. But apparently, all these uh, celebrities now that have their own mental health initiatives. Uh, have you heard about these? Do you even have any idea what I'm talking about? The only reason I know Megan the Stallion is because she was on the She-Hulk series on uh, Disney+. Plus. See, Megan the Stallion is – she's cool. And I um, – like I sort of know who she is. I don't know that I would recognize her, but I recognize the voice on the radio. Um, Selena Gomez, I like I know her we from – We all know her. Um, from, you know, the Murders in the Building show. So they, they have, and th- these two, and uh, singer Jay Balvin, and, and a bunch of other people have these sort of digital mental health initiatives. And so I looked some of them up, right? And and I'm torn because I looked at Megan the Stallion's uh, website. I believe it's this, pronounced Megan the Stallion. I, I have to say it like that. I feel like, I feel like an asshole when I say that, but I, you're supposed to say it like that, right? The Stallion, yes. <laughs> Megan the Stallion. She released a, a website called Bad Bitches Have Bad Days Too. And you know, I, I initially was skeptical. I was like, what is this going to be? And then I looked up the website, and it's great. It's just like a list of all these terrific mental health resources grouped by category. So it's kind of like therapy for black women or um, the suicide crisis hotline or, you know, like it's all different types of counseling and it's just a link to outside organizations and resources for mental health services. I like the idea of this because, you know, back in the day, the black and white cancer celebrity PSAs didn't really do anything and they weren't attached to anything. But as long as you're using your, your platform 
not just to bloviate about, oh, here's a thing to cry about, but it's a real thing. And here's some things you can actually do not help yourself. I'm in favor of that. I agree. I think that when I saw that, I was like, yes, this is the way to do it. In other words, she's not running any of these organizations. She's just saying, hey, if you need this, here's where you can go. And if you need that, there's where you can go. That I thought was really cool. So then I looked at this other thing by the Colombian singer Jay Balvin, who if I'm if I'm being honest, I don't know who that is, but I'm sure some listeners will know who that is. And I know where Colombia is. Yeah, I know where Colombia is. Um, and it, and it, apparently I, I found out he's from Medellin, which is, I don't know if you watch Narcos, but that's where season one takes place. Oh, and that is a great show. That is a great um, investigative journalism. So he has a website. Um, it's actually not a website. It's a it's a creative wellness app and it's called Oye. Now, here's the thing. So I go on this and this is a paid thing. It's like $5 a month. I don't understand what the hell it is. I really don't. Like I went on it. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what this does. It seems like it's, some sort of thing that guides you through wellness in some way, but I don't know what the way is. Wait, there are apps like um, I don't know, Headspace and Mint and Calm. Those are called digital therapeutics. They're apps that help you guide through behavioral therapies. So through, I think through it's like a maybe one of those. Service. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's. I think it's. I couldn't exactly tell from their homepage what they were. Breathe is the one that's always annoying me on my phone. Breathe, right? yes, breathe. And I'm like motherfucker. Like I do not have time to breathe. Right. I I cannot tell you. It gives me rage that breathe. App. <laughs> <laughs> it's stop breathing app. But it was so funny because the first day that I had my Apple Watch, I did it. I did the breathing and I was like, oh, this is so nice. I feel so serene. Every day after that, I was like, shut up. Stop bothering me. The Breathe app should annoy you in inverse proportion to the <laughs> stock of Encrustables. Yes. It totally annoys me. But also, I'm not tech savvy enough to figure out how to turn it off. Right. So so there's that. We would used to call these like clearing houses, like like web portals, which is, is that what a, we call a, them? Yeah, back in the back in the day, it was like a place you go to learn about things that someone else curates for you because they kind of are your peer and advocate. Sure. So I, I'm in favor of this. If 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 Megan the Stallion and Selena Gomez are truly trustworthy and not, you know, in the pockets of some drug company that are making people sign up for an, for a drug. And this is authentic, honest, trustworthy, almost a, like crowdsourced information of verifiable sources, then it's a great use of their reach and their platform. I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think, though, there's probably a sliding scale because – so I looked at um, Selena Gomez's Wondermind, right? And that is basically like it's, – it's like an online magazine that just is devoted to mental health. So it has all these like cutesy pie kind of articles and, you know, it had some solutions for things that I thought were like a little dopey, like, you know, like how, how do you manage anxiety? Well, make a cup of coffee and really focus on sipping the foam. And I was Use like, your breathe app. I, I was just like, <laughs> really? Like, okay, the foam, that's your solution. At the same time though, I'm not their target audience. So maybe the majority of their target audience, who I'm sure is a lot younger than I am, um, maybe that is a good tip for them. I don't know. I think as long as people aren't relying on these kind of apps as a substitute for professional counseling when it's necessary. Yeah, that's um, up for conjecture too. I mean, these digital health platforms, or I, I should say these these digital therapeutic platforms like BetterHelp and Talkspace, you know, they are somewhat regulated in terms of what they can and can't do. They're not there to prescribe medications. They're not a formal telehealth platform. But I'm going to just challenge my energetics rage monster right now and say, if you want some mental health, turn off your fucking phones and go outdoors. Going outdoors really does help in, in a way that 
I'm such an indoor girl and I didn't realize what a big deal that would be. And then during COVID when you couldn't do anything else, I spent a lot of time outside. And um, I really, I really think it helped. But like beyond the vitamin D part of it, I think being outside was much more calming for me than I ever realized. And, um, and, and I agree that is, you know, it's not a solution to, you know, mental health crises. No, it's a tool. I think it's a good it's thing. One, it's one a of tool. many tools you can choose to do. And again, I'm just speaking for myself as a, as, as, as what am I, a cisgender white male? I'm learning the lingo. Yeah. You know, You're we had it. a very stressful week last week in the family, and we decided to just leave the house, leave our, I mean, I took my phone, but everyone else left their phones home. And we went to, in New York here, Liberty State Park, and it happened to be a nice day, but we were planning on going out anyway. And we just walked for three hours and, like, didn't look at our phones and just talk to each other. And, like, it was, like, oh, 1975 so nice. again. And like, Oh, that's really nice. And, like, we don't do that enough, and I don't think people do that enough. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I think that um, you really hit on something that resonates with me, which is, you know, everyone experiences stress and anxiety. Um, everyone experiences negative feelings. And, you know, there are people who in the normal course of their life experience those feelings and times in their lives that are challenging. And then there's people that have legitimate chronic mental health issues. And I think that a lot of these strategies are um, super helpful when we're talking about non-chronic, just kind of garden variety, everyday stress and anxiety. And then, um, you know, we might need a little more when it's you know, or or a lot more when it's someone really going through a, a serious mental health crisis. But I think all of these celebrities using their platforms to just communicate about this stuff, um, you know, it, it normalizes it, normalizes things like therapy. Um, frankly, just the idea that perhaps you should connect with a therapist who is the same race or, or um, a therapist who gears their practice towards someone of your race or your gender identity or your sexual orientation. That's something that I almost didn't even think about. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't realize like, oh, maybe I should go to a therapist that has specific knowledge about who I am as a person. And, um, you know, that kind of thing gets communicated via these apps and websites and stuff. So, I, I mean, I think I agree. It is a good thing in the general sense, but, you know, probably like anything else, like you look up a recipe, there's going to be good ones and bad ones and ones that are easy to follow and ones that are annoying. Right. And let's not forget the epilogue to this, which is, you know, please remember to actually talk to your doctor if something is actually serious. Yeah. You know, I, I have found that the doctors, like the actual individual doctors, whether or not mental health is their field of practice, they have so much knowledge about where to go and what to do. So, I mean, you could go to a gynecologist and say, I'm really feeling anxious. And like, that person's going to hook you up. You know, the the on the ground medical professionals have, you know, the, their mindset and their resources can be really good. So yeah, I mean, talk to your doctor. They're, they're always willing to listen, or at least mine are. And if yours aren't, get new doctors. Right. And, and just a final thought on that is, you know, we're living in an age of almost too much information, but we now have crisis hotlines on your phone. But it's, it's, it's a wonderful use of technology to have these crisis counselors like 24-7 waiting for you. You know, you call an ambulance, they show up three hours later. You're going to get someone right away on these crisis lines. So good problem to have. But yes, always remember, we're not giving you medical advice. Talk to your doctor. Absolutely. But yeah, you know, go celebrities that are using their platform for something positive. Very good. Keep going. Megan nice job. the Stallion. 
I, I would really like to have a, a middle name that's like that. Like, can I, can I have like thou? Can I be like Alora thou nanos? <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think I'd prefer like Alora that's right nanos. You can be. I got it. I got what it. Are you gonna be? Elora, I was wrong. Nanos. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you going to be? You're not going to be like Matt the Zachary. So in fifth grade, I had a, a classmate. Her name was Shauna Elizabeth Norberg McLean. Uh-huh. That is her name. Wonderful, smart, amazing young woman, good friend of mine. And she started to call me Matt the W. Oh. M A T. Oh. Oh, I see what you did w. there. And why did you not why did you drop that ever? That's so good. It wasn't a white rapper. Matt the W. Oh, that is fantastic. That I'm I'm going with that from now on. Matt the W. I love it. Okay. Matt the W, can I introduce you to our next story? What is our next story? It's not it's not a good one. I'm I'm not gonna lie. We 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 had a little respite there talking about celebrities doing some good things. Now we're gonna talk about doctors doing horrible things. Oh dear. Okay, go forth. This after I just said how great doctors are. Yeah, so there's this gynecologist, Robert Haddon, who he's from Columbia University Irving Medical Center. And uh turns out he sexually abused 147 women over 20 years. And the hospital system just settled for $165 million distributed among the former patients, some of whom are minors, one of whom is Evelyn Yang, the uh, wife of the former presidential candidate, Andrew Yang. It's like, what a shit show. How many women? Well, 147 women were part of the lawsuit. So I can tell you that that likely means you know, for every one that signed on to the lawsuit, there's probably a few that chose not to. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people don't want to come forward about this clearly. But I mean, that's, that's a lot of women to begin with. But over a 20 year period, that's that's ridiculous. Let's do the math here. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. <laughs> so this is several a year. That's not okay. it's not OK if there's one. But this is ridiculous. It, it's, it is. It, and it's it, it's amazing to me that someone could be in practice for that long and be abusing hundreds of women. And it like, it took this long for it to catch up with him. And it, it seems like it is catching up with him, but he stopped working in 2012. He was criminally convicted in 2016. After yeah, he, he pled, pled guilty. guilty. I saw that. Good for him. Yeah, for he pleaded guilty. Yeah. He, he pled guilty to state charges, he, but he didn't serve jail time though. He did surrender his medical license and now he's facing federal charges and 20 years in prison. And I have to tell you something. He's facing 20 years in prison, which, of course, is a long time. However, there was a guy that was arrested and arraigned just the other day, also under federal charges, for smuggling a Burmese python in his pants from Canada to America. And he also faces 20 years. How do you weigh that? (laughs) I feel like it's 147 women. 20 years, it doesn't sound like enough to me. It's like miles per hour versus kilometers per hour of legal justice. Right. Like, it just, that just doesn't seem commensurate at all. Um, I mean, not to minimize what 20 years in prison would be like, but I mean, really? It, j- it just seems odd. Um, I mean, smu- seems- yeah, smuggling a snake doesn't really, like, sexually abuse anybody. Truthfully, I, I honestly can't believe that smuggling the snake 
<laughs> made this guy face 20 years. That's crazy. Seems like a bit much. Yeah. I mean, this sounds really terrible. And you know what What really bothered me is um, Andrew Yang's wife spoke publicly about her experience. And she said that when the abuse was happening, she knew that it was abuse. She recognized it as sexual abuse. And she didn't say anything about it because she just didn't feel comfortable. I cannot put myself into the mind's eye or the life experience of a woman clearly. So I can't speak to how much that emotional experience might make you just want to maybe put it behind you or, or you're in such trauma that you don't want to take an action. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's interesting. I'm lucky to be a person that has not suffered any abuse of that kind. But years later, when the after the Me Too movement started and people were sharing their stories, I realized um, years after the fact that I had, in fact, been a victim of sexual assault. But it was not the kind of sexual assault that was very traumatic, and I'll tell you about it. Um, I was a new lawyer. I was a prosecutor. I was in court. An opposing counsel, who was an older lawyer, very dignified, well-dressed, nice guy, would wait until I was speaking to the judge and reach behind me and stroke my hair during trials. And it was very strange. And at the time, I absolutely did not process it as any kind of sexual thing at all. Um, I didn't feel violated or anything. I just thought it was really strange. And um, I kind of made a joke to let the guy know that I noticed it. Um, and he kept escalating the contact, but he would always find time to do it when no one else was looking and when I couldn't say anything about it. And as the time went by, instead of calling this guy out for like, get your fucking hands off me, um, I sort of, I don't know, like rationalized it and then thought it was something that I had done. And I realized, you know, well after the fact that um, – and he's dead now, so it's nobody big <laughs> uh, But, I mean, I feel like I can be very sort of objective about this because I there was very little emotion involved in it from my point of view because it didn't upset me at all at the time. I just thought it was weird. But in retrospect, I realized that this guy's method was exactly what so many sexual assaulters and abusers do, which is that they kind of find a way to corner their victims. They find a time that they're powerless. And they kind of play these head games with them. And I, it really um, impacted me when I realized, oh, my gosh, I followed in many ways the same mental trajectory that many women do who suffer far more serious abuse, which is that they question if it really happened. Um, they questioned if they had done something to invite it. They feel uncomfortable speaking up about it. Um, and it was really kind of eye-opening for me that I said, I, I never would have thought that I would have reacted that way. And then I realized that I, in fact, did react that way. Um, and it was just, I don't know, it was just very eye-opening for me. And it was one of the things I always think about as a result of the Me Too movement that I realized how I personally had acted in a situation um, that I, I should have acted differently. Um, but, you know, people who are in power and in intimate situations, you know, like a gynecologist, which is like one of the most intimate situations you could ever be in, um, there's always going to be people who abuse that power and that authority and that proximity. And it's it's so sad. And, you know, my hope is that 
when things go to the point of a lawsuit or when people speak up about it, that it at least encourages others to do the same so that we can save future victims from these predators that are out there. Right. And, and to wrap all this up in a bun, I'm not going to dignify Columbia with reading their platitude-driven, deeply regret bullshit statement. But I'm I'm on the I'm on the side that you know training policies and all sorts of internal things don't change behavior. If you're a creep and a fucking weirdo, you're going to be a creep and a fucking weirdo. Oh, I, I think that's absolutely true. I think that people who are predators are not swayed by any kind of education, and what they do is they find ways around whatever the rules and whatever the systems are. Um, so really, the training should be for the other people to know how to spot them. Honestly. That, that that's the training that everybody needs. This is how you spot a predator. All right, we'll be right back after this message from snakes and pythons and boa constrictors. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back. Elora, what is our next fabulous story and how angry okay. should I be? So I spent my morning today listening to the oral arguments at the Supreme Court. And, you know, that's always fun. I do that every day before I stretch. <laughs> yeah. And so today there was a case and it was about bacon at the Supreme Court. Um, the justices is that were common? The, uh, <laughs> how many legal really. precedents are there for the bacon in the court? Yeah, it was like bacon and hot dog case. And I was like, wait a minute, let me pay a little extra attention to this. And it turns out that it had a public health connection um, that I thought I'd like to talk to you about. Oh, pray tell do, and Oscar Meyer is listening. <laughs> now, have you heard about California's Proposition 12? Do you know what I'm talking about? They have Prop X every day. I know. California loves to vote on shit like that. Yeah. California passed a proposition in 2018 that said that in California, no one can sell pork products if the pig that, you know. <laughs> the pig that is slaughtered. <laughs> I don't know. The pig. The, the Wilbur the bacon, from Charlotte's Web pig. Right. The formerly known as the pig. Uh, the bacon formerly known as the pig was mistreated. 
right? So they don't want to buy pork products or buy or sell pork products that are the result of animal abuse. And so this is a humane issue. It's, a, it's like an animal cruelty issue, right. right? Like you can't keep the pigs in these tiny little stalls and then you're going to sell the bacon here because that's like messed up. Right. Um, now, I imagine that a regulation like that was largely inspired by uh, the desire to be humane to animals. I, at, at least I think that's what it's about. Well, it makes – it sounds like it you know, out of the gate. I think, yeah. So, of course, there's a lawsuit about it. And the lawsuit, I won't go into, you know, all of the crazy legalities about it, but essentially the lawsuit is challenging California's right to make such a regulation because things that deal with commerce are within the ambit of Congress because California is saying you can't sell anything in California if you've mistreated the pigs. And that means that the pigs could be raised anywhere, Ohio, Wyoming, New York, whatever, and they can't bring that bacon to California Unless the the you know what do they call the the pork production facility in the other states followed California's rule, so when states do things like that where they reach outside their own state into another state, that's like always a big problem legally. Well, how is California supposed to regulate production in another state? Well, the, the the thing is, they're not really regulating the production. They're just saying, listen, do what you want, but don't come and sell it here unless you produced it the right way. So big pork is taking on Gavin Newsom. Exactly. And Big Pork is pissed. Okay. And the thing is, California doesn't produce very much pork. It consumes, I think, about 13% of the nation's pork, but it only produces a quarter of 1%. So really, California is not regulating its own pork producers. It's regulating pork producers outside California. Right. So the debate here is about states dictating to other states commerce regulations where do what you want in Ohio, raise all the pigs you want, but you can't sell them here if you misabuse them or treat them like crap. Exactly. Now here, legally... Whether or not California is going to be allowed to do what it's trying to do depends on if it is a public health and safety regulation. And if it is, the answer is probably yes, they can do that. But if it's not and it's like more of a moral regulation, likely the answer is going to be that they can't do it. So one of the things that was discussed at length at the court today was do we treat moral concerns like we don't want to be mean to animals the same as we treat a public health concern? It was a very interesting debate. And one of the things that Justice Sotomayor, who is one of my heroes, said during the argument was, you know, this is really absolutely a public health and safety concern because there's good evidence that in these in these places where the animals are really tightly packed, it can lead to things like viruses mutating and jumping species. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Be a devil. Go I ahead. say tough shit California, but put labels on the pork that says these pigs were treated like shit. These pigs were treated with flowers and let the consumers you know what? decide what they want to buy. You know, it's so funny that you say that because that is what some of the justices suggested. They suggested just throw a label on it. Is that a pro or con or a little both? It's sort of like do this instead. But when you're talking about a lawsuit, that's not really the way it works. The courts can decide if this one is okay, not what it could have been. But I mean, I agree. That certainly would be fine. There'd be no issue with labeling. But California's like, listen, the label is not enough. We don't want you to be allowed to sell it here. But it just is what I thought was most interesting is that probably the most compelling thing that was said in the like two and a half hours of oral arguments was this thing about, oh, shit, if you treat animals this way, it could potentially cause another pandemic. Right. Because wasn't that the concern with the wet market and the bat? Right. 
Well, I, I'd love to look at any evidence, which I do not have any, any, any in front of me or have researched in advance. Does animal cruelty and raising animals in a cruel way lead to more bacteria, more E. coli, more recalls? And is there any proof that, you know, less cruel animal raising, words I don't know how to put in order, has that yielded less E. coli and bad stuff? Yeah, I'll tell you, California's lawyers said that there has been research that that proves that. They said that um, animals kept in terrible conditions have higher stress levels. Those stress levels end up like equating into hormones that then go into the meat, that then go into the person who eats the meat. And that's a bad thing. And there's also um, a greater need for animals to take antibiotics when they're kept very closely together. So it sounds like there's some evidence that there is, in fact, a, a health benefit to not treating the animals cruelly. However, the pork industry had their own argument. And what they said is they have both a moral obligation and a health concern to make sure that people can get cheap sources of protein. And if they follow California's law, it's going to make pork production so much more expensive that it's actually going to deprive people that protein who really need it. Um, so it's kind of like an interesting battle there. They need Aaron Oikovich on this. <laughs> what is, do you know what the, the pork producers said at, at the argument? They said they sell everything but the oink. <laughs> I was like, ill. Yeah. They were like, we sell the blood and the tail and the meat and the snout and everything but the oink. I was like, excuse me while I vomit now. Well, you, ever, you go down the uh, you know the weird aisle in the supermarket and you see the pig's feet and you just know like there's nothing of that pig left. No, I know. Although I have to tell you, I've been to a pig roast and I've eaten like the ears and stuff and they're freaking delicious. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're they are. They're so good. How does this, I mean, ignorant question here from Joe Citizen. How does this play into like states' rights versus federal commerce rules? So, I mean, it's exactly a states' rights issue because anything that's not specifically given to Congress is, or, or the federal government is given to states um, under the Constitution. But this is a part of the Constitution that we call the Dormant Commerce Clause. And what that means is um, because Congress is the only one in charge of interstate commerce, when an individual state does something in that state, but has massive impact outside the state boundaries, like California is only regulating what's going on inside California, but it has potential to impact the whole pork industry across the country. When the impact is really severe, generally speaking, the state can't do it. So we'll see what happens with us. Oh, the, 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 uh, that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's your legal moment for that's the day. Your, yes, exactly. All right. Headlines. What do we got? So we got some good headlines not to be missed today. And I love these. This is my favorite one. Okay. Get, get this. AI, artificial intelligence apparently can now hear the tone of your voice and diagnose illnesses from it. It's not a tumor. Can you even? <laughs> Is that like amazing? There's an article in NPR, like go check it out. I don't really understand the science, but the fact that this is even a possibility is like, completely amazing to me like we've evolved you know dogs can smell cancer so yes here we go robots can I love hear it. your cancer it's completely amazing like I, I just can't even believe it i think it's incredible also this is weird did you know that syphilis is on the rise since covid i mean we're polio's back monkeypox is back smallpox is back you know why not syphilis 
syphilis? Like what is happening? I, I don't I don't understand. I don't want I don't know that I even want to understand. Um, but yeah, like there's a Pew study uh, that that there's like an alarming rise in uh, STIs, particularly syphilis. Like that is scary. syphilis is such a scary illness. I don't know. Wake me up when the crabs come back. I know it's so weird. And then NBC News has an article that just reminds us that anxiety screening for children should begin as early as age eight. That's what a new task force has advised. And I'll tell you, um, even eight seems like not that early to me because I think children show signs of anxiety as early as they can talk. My daughter had anxiety in the neonatal unit. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm not like, I mean, kids show anxiety early, early on. I have uh, loved ones with five-year-olds that have pretty serious anxiety. And what I think is really amazing is that there are therapists who are who are trained and have real serious expert knowledge about how to work with a four-year-old or a five-year-old who's experiencing anxiety. And to me, that's amazing. Like I wouldn't exactly know what to do to alleviate a five-year-old's anxiety. And there's experts that have, you know, all kinds of strategies for that. I'm going to so, channel Barbara Streisand's character from Meet the Parents. Uh, just put some rum on his gums. <laughs> sure. That'll work. It always works. Do you think that then in the future we'll have like kid celebrities? It'll be like kids bop, but the Megan the Stallion mental health thing? Like whoever, wonder, whoever, kids whoever, bop wonder health? Whoever the new Jonathan Taylor Thomas is going to be, we'll have uh yeah. Like that's where it's going to be like, like the, what is it called? The kid iPads. Stress like, bop. It's going it's to be stress bop. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go register stress bop as a trademark today. <laughs> to be honest, kids are probably the ones that are going to be, you know, that, that accessing something like that is going to be like, you know, require the least friction, right? They're so used to doing everything online that it would be like, sure, of course, that's what I'm going to do. I don't, I'm having a bad day. Of course, I'm going to go on to this online thing and figure it out. My Gen X reaction is turn off your fucking phones and read a book. Uh, reading a book, always good. But if you need help and, you know, online stuff works for you, go access that. Don't be such a hater. Beverly Cleary, look it up. I win every time. <laughs> She was. She probably had a lot of anxiety, Ramona. She was always in trouble. Yeah, but I think she was more proactive than reactive. I guess she was like a problem. She would like. I don't. She seemed like she had all kinds of issues. She was always pissed off. <laughs> she was right. always having a fit. All right, I'll leave with one more. One more recommendation: The Rats of Nim. Enough. I hate that book. Oh, it's a great book. <laughs> I hate that book. It scarred me for life. Oh, really? The rats, they were sick. They're pouring the medicine down their throat. I'll never forget. Wait, more than left hand of darkness? <laughs> scared the shit out of me. Back to 2022. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you here next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary and the Health Careless segment is an Oscar Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary, Elura Nanos, and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Sarah Rosa Davies. It's mixed and edited by Sarah Rosa Davies and Kyle Moore. Shout out to Brianna Seely for added support. And special thanks to our segment co-host, Elura Nanos.